leave the place that God has brought you prematurely. Sometimes God moves people. I understand that. But don't let the enemy move you from that place of peace, that place of worship, that place of satisfaction in God. Because there is a satisfaction in God. There is a completeness and a fullness in God. And we can have it. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 137. And uh, I'm, I always use a text. I'm a textual uh, you know, um, uh, preacher for the most part. Sometimes when I do the studies, I will go verse by verse. I don't uh, neglect that. I believe that that's very important in its place and teaching. But there's a point and a thought that God wants me to make today. And so there's a lot of uh, things in the Word of God, a lot of scriptures and places that we're going to pull together to make this point. And uh, in Psalms 137, starting with verse 1, I want you to read with me this text. And um, just a little short history. This is where Israel uh, and the Jews have been taken into captivity. I don't really know And nobody really has said in commentary who wrote this, but somebody that was in captivity to Babylon during the time when God allowed Israel to be taken into captivity for 70 years wrote this. Somebody that was there wrote this. And uh, and so we pick up here in this 137th Psalm, verse 1, it says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, the exiles did, the people that were taken Uh, from Jerusalem, sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. They responded and they said, How shall we sing? The Lord's song in a strange land. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And they hung their harps on the willow trees and they did not sing. And I've just entitled this today, What Happened to Your Praise? What Happened to Your Praise? Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help me this morning to speak to me through me, God, and let The words that I speak be life unto each and every person that's here. Let the Spirit of God begin to move in our hearts and stir us. Lord, even if it's something that we don't want to hear, we don't like to hear, but let it convict us and let it deal with us. Because, Lord, we want our praise to be restored. We want to, rest- we want to be, uh, have the joy of salvation and have the restoration of, of, of worship and joy and praise unto you. We want the glory of God in and upon our lives. We're not taking your glory, but we want to bask in your presence, God. And that is your glory. And so I pray that you'll help me today, that you'll anoint me, that you'll speak to me, God, today. A specific word for this church this morning. And God, God will give you all the glory and honor as you are honored today for, for, for what you've done and who you are to us. We thank you and we praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name we ask, amen, 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 amen. And, I, I, you know, I want to say to you today as I gave you a little bit of history about how that they were 
uh, the Jews were taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and these captives began to say to those, that, I mean, these uh, captors, rather, the, 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 the captors that took the Jews into captivity said, Sing us a song. Sing us a song. We, we want you to sing. We want you to, uh, to, to begin to sing a song of mirth or sing a song of Zion. And they said, we, we wept whenever we began to remember Zion. We wept when we thought about where we used to be. We wept whenever we saw where we were. And we couldn't sing any song. We hung our harps on the willow trees. And we said, how can we sing in a strange land? And, you know, I don't really know why. Uh, the captors wanted the Jews to sing a song. Uh, some say that the Israelites were singing people. That was something they were known for. They had a, a song of praise. And I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. And, uh, that. But that they were singing people. And if you read through the Word of God, you know that God's people were victorious people in the Old Testament. And we're to be in the New Testament. People of victory. Moses had a song after they crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. Hannah had a song. If you read the book of 1 Samuel, the first uh, chapter is something to be said about bitterness and being broken. But Hannah got a breakthrough. Amen. And in that second chapter, she begins to have a song. A song of praise and a song of victory and a song that began to, 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 to speak back or slap back at the enemy that was her, you know, uh, 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 persecutor and provoker and uh, but she had a song Moses had a song Deborah had a song in the book of Judges these are all things you can go back and look and see they had a song of praise they had a song of glory and honor unto God David wrote many of the songs and psalms that we read about Zechariah had a prophetic song and I'm talking about Zechariah of the book of Luke uh, John the Baptist's father had a prophetic song that he sang and Paul exhorted us in I believe Corinthians and other places he said sing sing hymns sing songs and the epistles he said if you got a psalm sing it if you got a song or hymn sing it we should be people that worship and glorify God we had a man years ago he said I slip in just to hear the word I don't want to hear any of the worship I don't want to sing I'm not that kind of a Christian I said that's the only kind there are worshipers amen when Jesus saves you I said you know let me tell you something you you begin to worship out there in that world you weren't worshiping to God's music you weren't dancing to God's music you were you were dancing to the devil's music amen you didn't have no problem getting up in the club and cutting a rug you didn't have no problem shouting and screaming and acting like an idiot. I said, but you come to Christ and you say you come to Christ and all of a sudden you shut down. You're not praising no more. You're not singing. I said, when Jesus saves you, He gives you a song of praise. He gives you a song of praise. So from the very beginning we read here in Scripture, 
God has always put a song of praise in His people. A shout of praise. A joyful praise. A worship from, the, from your spirit that satisfies the longing down deep in your soul that stirs the heart. And let me give you a word from God today of instruction and warning, church. Satan wants to rob you of that song of praise. He wants to rob you and take that away from you. That is what he is after. If he can get you to sit down and hang your harp on the willow tree and not praise God and not come to the house of God and not praise and worship God, then he has won. And I've come to tell you today, he lost at Calvary because Jesus took those keys from death, hell, and the grave. And the only time that the devil wins again is when you and I don't give God the praise that he deserves deserves to have so don't hang your harp on the willow tree don't let the devil besmirch what Jesus bought and paid for at Calvary Satan wants your worship turned away from God unto him that's what got him kicked out of heaven the Bible says in Isaiah 14, 13, and this is what the Scripture says, and I'm going to read this one passage of Scripture to you, but Isaiah 14, 13 says this. It says, For thou hast said in thine heart, speaking of Lucifer, he said, I will ascend unto into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Reading that, I know he's speaking of an earthly leader. But he's speaking of an earthly leader that had the same pride that Satan had that got him kicked out of heaven. He wants to rob God of his praise and worship that he is worthy of. God is worthy of it. He deserves it. It's what is a dividend from the work of the cross in your life and my life. Amen. You see, everything God has done through redeeming us through the blood of Jesus was to restore worship. It was to restore holy worship. And there is an expectation of God's people to be happy, to be glorious worshipers. They required of us a song. He said they expected us to sing. You know why? Because God's people, even in the midst of troubling times, amen, still got a song to sing still got a shout of praise when the apostle Paul and Silas were sitting in that dungeon in the deepest depth of the dungeon with their feet in stocks their hands in stocks they're sitting there in the dark in the moldy nasty you know uh, stinky dungeon down there with nothing to eat in the dark and they probably you know everything was screaming against them look what preaching the gospel got you 
Look what's standing for Jesus got you. And Paul, because there's a song down deep in your heart that no matter what you go through, you got to sing it. Amen. you got to sing it. It doesn't matter what you're going through. That doesn't change who Jesus is. That doesn't change what God has done in your life. And as they begin to sit there, they begin to sing. And they didn't even sing in hopes of being delivered. But God said, your song of praise is going to deliver you from the darkness of the dungeon. And every door began to open up. And God began to bring a breakthrough and a freedom and a liberty and deliverance through their song of praise. Oh my God. Don't let the devil steal your praise. I don't care what takes place. Don't let the devil steal your praise. Amen. It's like B.J. Vavasur or Pond Sings. I've been through a lot of things. I've been through trials. I've been through people. This is a song she sings where there's people that betrayed me. I've been through people that have done me wrong. I've been through trials and heartaches. But she said, I never lost my praise. I never lost my praise. I never lost my hope. I never lost my joy. I never lost my praise. I'm still praising Him. No matter what. It was said of the American Indians. They were drawn to songs and hymns. They heard the white man singing. I can tell you there is definitely God's kind of music. Did you hear me? God has a music. How do you know that, Pastor? Because David played that harp and it, it began to soothe and began to bring under subjection that evil spirit in Saul. Oh yeah, God has a music. God has a music that when you come into His presence, you're touched and you're moved and you're convicted and you're, you're, you're ministered to. Even when you don't know the words, I'm telling you where there's an anointing upon somebody's life or the, the singer or psalmist, you feel His presence. Amen. I've had people come in. They said, I, I didn't like your style of music. I didn't, I didn't like country. I didn't like the way, you know, your style and all that. But every time I come in here, all I do is cry. I said, the Spirit of God. It's not the music style. It's the Spirit of God. Amen. I can't be but anything but who and what I am. If I try to be something different, I won't be what God wants me to be. I said, but He just proved to you that all He needs to do is touch you with His Spirit and you'll sing and praise God whether we're singing a hymn or whether we're singing the most modern song that just came on the scene it's a song of praise and worship there is God's music he has a music them American Indians were drawn to that yes that's a fact I've heard that in documentaries you know our country's not where I wish it was or what it used to be. But it was the man that gave us the Statue of Liberty that said, America is great because America is good. And the day or the moment that America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. We're going to celebrate our independence tomorrow. We've got people that don't even realize the very fact that they live in the greatest country on the planet. 
You can say whatever you want to say. We live in one of the greatest countries on the planet. How do you know that, preacher? Because I've been a lot of places you folks haven't been. I've been in third world countries. I've been in South American countries. I've been all over this world. And we live in one of the greatest countries in the world. But we've got a generation... A World War II vet said, we've, just recently he said, the country that I fought for, our freedom, he said, is not the country we have today. We've got 50% of the society that doesn't even have the brain God gave a goose to see that we're here because somebody fought for our freedom. And I know we're not perfect. I know, but God is bringing his church back and he's bringing his, those in his country back to a place of righteousness because righteousness exalts a I saw somebody video and you're going to think that I'm horrible and I'm mean but I'm going to tell you I saw they were interviewing people do you think America is do you, do you, are you proud of your country some guy that had peak hair he just, he just looked like he's homeless said I'm not proud of this country I thought you know what I'm not proud of you either as a citizen, you probably don't work. And you know, your pastor, you're judging. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now. A lot of people that complain the most do the least. Amen. Get a job. Amen. That's like John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Amen. Amen. I believe that. Well, I'm moving on. There's definitely God's music. And the captives had a memory of it. But they refused to sing. And they hung their harps on the willow trees. And God gives us a song, church, even in the night seasons. But we can't sing it or we don't. You know, there's an old song that we used to sing. And I haven't done it in a long time. But it says, some through the water, some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Amen. You know, some through great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night seasons and all the day long. That's an old hymn. Because I can tell you the God that you worship and you praise on the mountain is the same God in the valley. Are you hearing me? Young people, listen to your pastor today. Listen to these old timers today. Listen to the people that have been in the faith and that have lived through years and years and years of highs and lows and hills and valleys and ups and downs and went through some of the most horrific things in their life. He's the same God on the mountain that He is in the valley. Amen? He's the same God in the valley that He is on the mountaintop. So... When you come down here to the valley, when you've been up there on the mountaintop and you say, God was so good up there. He's still good down here. He's still good in service. Amen. Just because you're not in a camp environment doesn't mean you can't meet Him up here. It blessed me to see these come up here, begin to worship God. Amen. Just because I'm not in the camp auditorium doesn't mean I can't worship God. Step out in faith and say, I'm going to go up to the front and I'm going to give and sacrifice what I did up there in that camp and I'm going to worship God like I did there. Bring the sacrifice of praise. Now why? 
Could they not sing a song of Zion? Some are broken inside. I'm going to tell you, God spoke to me last night. He even showed me some people in the church. He said they're broken down deep inside. They're broken. Broken. They don't have a song of praise, but let me tell you something, brother and sister. God wants to restore that in you. There was a time whenever you were worshiping God. And now you're at a place where you're trying to find your way. I've come to tell you, my prodigal. God said, prodigal, you're coming back. Amen. You're coming back. Prodigal, you're coming back. I don't care how far you got. I don't care where you went. I don't care what got you there. He said, prodigal, I brought you back. Amen. I brought you back and I'm going to restore you. Listen, God's speaking. Oh, I feel it right now. There's an anointing right now. He's speaking and he's saying, there's somebody, some people in here. And he said, God's going to give you your praise back. He said you've hung your harp on the willow tree too long and he said you're broken down deep inside but God is going to restore you that's why he brought you here my God Job sat in silence seven days because he was broken a man who loved God was upright eschewed evil is now silent he couldn't even speak those around him recognized the brokenness. Hannah was broken inside. She was burdened because she was barren. But God wants to heal our barrenness, our fruitless lives. He wants to restore that. Oh, mighty God. Some of you are saying, hey, I just I don't even know what he's talking about. You've never experienced God like some people have. I can tell you don't know what I'm talking about. But when you've been touched by God, you want that again. Amen. You're looking and you're saying, I remember a sweeter time in my life. God doesn't want you focused on what you used to be. But he wants you to focus on where you're at. He's the same God today as he was at that point in your life. He's the same yesterday today and forever but God doesn't want your, bar your life to be barren he wants to heal our barrenness he wants to heal our fruitless lives and create the fruit of our lips she got her breakthrough yes she did and in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel she has a song of praise you can read it on your own time but she had a song of praise how does praise return you've got to get a hold of God amen you've got to get a hold of God Becky said it on Thursday young people God is bringing you to a place and he's teaching you you can find God for yourself you know how to get a hold of God for yourself you don't have to wait for a camp you can meet him every morning you know, his mercies are new every morning you can meet him every day he will be the same to you in the quietness and secrecy of your prayer closet if you'll meet him there and God's spoke to me and he said you tell the youth in your church in this church tell the youth and the young adults but especially the youth the devil wants to drag you to a place of depression and death and hopelessness and despair where you don't have a song of praise but God said I'm teaching them how to break through I'm teaching them how to pray and get a hold of God for themselves That's greater than instruction than anything anybody 
could ever teach you is how to find God for yourself. Because there's going to be a time there's not going to be a youth pastor. There's not going to be a youth pastor. There's not going to be a pastor preaching to you. You're not going to have Wi-Fi. You're not going to be able to turn on a YouTube video. You're going to have to find God for yourself. But the reason the devil comes on so strong to the youth in this church is because you're different. You're separated unto God. And he separated you. He's called you. And the devil wants to destroy that faith and destroy that consecration and destroy your life. He wants to destroy that. So he's bringing all kinds of thoughts to your mind. He's bringing suicidal thoughts. He's bringing attractions. He's bringing affections, inordinate affections, unnatural, unnatural attractions. He's bringing all kinds of things to destroy you and rob you of your worship and peace. But God said in his word, oh my Lord in heaven, he's an awesome God. Amen. He said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear, then will they hear from heaven. Amen. Then will God begin to respond. As you begin to repent, as you begin to make things right, as you begin to get before the Lord, He will pour out His Spirit so beautifully and so powerfully. That's how God operates. He said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait upon Him. Be before Him. Don't let the devil steal your praise. Don't hang that harp on the willow tree. Praise Him through the storm. Patty used to sing a song. When everything falls apart, praise His name. When you've got a broken heart, lift your hands and say, Lord, You're all I need. You're everything to me. And He'll take the pain away. Amen. When you feel you're all alone, praise His name. When you don't have the strength to go on, raise your hands and say, greater is He that is within me. And He'll take the pain and the hurt away. He'll, you can praise it away when you praise His name. Oh, there have been times I felt a weight and God said, just praise me. Just praise me. I'm praising Him and thanking Him for the blood. Amen. And it's like one by one, He just began to pull all those things of oppression off of me. And I began to worship Him because the enemy wants to rob you of your praise. You know, I'm telling you the truth today. My God. Young people, you're learning how to get a hold of God. I saw Adrian up at camp. God touched him so powerfully. Nobody told him, raise them hands and walk around that church and worship God. He lifted those hands up. That was an act of God. Amen. That was a miracle act of God. For those hands to be up in the air and him to walk around and praise in God. Nobody told him to do that but the Holy Ghost. Nobody prompted him to do that but by the grace of God. And you know what? Here we are, the first week out of camp. You cannot allow the enemy to rob from you what God did in you and gave to you. Praise Him. Praise Him. 
or you'll be back at that place bound up with zip ties and chains and blindfolds again. It doesn't have to be that way. It's almost like we do that because we're like drug addicts when it comes to spiritual things. Oh, we can't make it unless we got a high. I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, that's a Holy Ghost wasn't even in my notes. Come on now. That's the way people are with God. If I don't feel just this right way like I felt at that moment when I had that high. Well, let me tell you something. We walk by faith and not by sight nor by feelings. Not by feelings. I'm going to praise Him when I don't feel like it. There's two times to praise the Lord when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Don't be and treat God like He's only worthy to be worshipped whenever He makes you feel the way you want to feel. Hey, yeah. Come on now. How do you know that happens, Pastor? Because I've watched people as their fire begins to fizzle. Rather than come and pour some fuel on it, some gas or fuel or wood, you know, stoking that fire through reading the Word or prayer and worship, they just fizzle out and they go and they go, well, I just don't feel God anymore. I said, well, get in there where you can feel Him. Amen. Get in there where you can feel Him. Get in there and stir up that fire. Pay the price. Pay the, how, I, I had somebody one time tell me, Pastor, but not everybody's like you. Not everybody's like all these other people that sit in the church that, you know, they, they just seem to not have any problems. I said, my goodness. I said, you think we don't have problems? You think we don't have problems? We got problems. We, we deal with all kinds of things. We've been hurt. We've been spaded through. We've been rejected. We've had all kinds of things happen. Disappointments, misunderstandings. We've had a, a prayers that didn't get answered like we wanted them to. And guess what? People that are full of faith and soldiers in the army, they, I'm telling you, they endure hardness like a good soldier. And they walk into the house of God and they lift their hands up and they praise God. They don't sit there and say, well, I'm going to hang my harp on the willow tree, but I'm going to praise Him even if my mom I'm going to praise him even if my wife died. I'm going to praise him even if I lost my job. I'm going to praise him no matter what. Hallelujah. Because my joy and my happiness or my joy comes from God. And it's not moved. It cannot be moved by circumstances. Happiness. I'm not happy, Pastor. Well, I've come to tell you today, happiness comes from happenings. Amen. You have happiness because things happen just like you wanted them to. But when they don't happen like you want them to, how do you act? He said, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Oh, mighty God. Oh, help us, Jesus. You have spiritual life skills most don't possess in this generation, young people and folks sitting in this room. They need it. They need Him. 
They don't have it or him. But you and I have to be that example that no matter what, God is still God. My attitude is not changed by circumstances. <laughs> you have spiritual life skills. So praise his name. So brokenness can halt worship. There's some folks in here, you're broken. Something terrible's happened. Don't you let the devil rob you of your worship unto God. Amen. You praise him anyway. You praise him anyway. My God. But there's another thing, or a couple things, that God wants me to share that can halt worship in our life. Sinful activity always does. It stops the joy of worship. Always. Anytime the life of God dies in you, sin killed it. Anytime the life of God, a revival dies in you, sin killed it. Something rose that robbed you of your peace, robbed you of your assurance, robbed you of your hope, robbed you of your security in God. Sin did that. Sin did that. So you got to fix that first. Anytime that takes place. Balaam of the book of Numbers, and I'm not going to read all of these, but was hired to curse Israel. But all he could do was pronounce blessing. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 24, I want to read it here to you, Numbers 24, maybe I will read it. But he said in Numbers 24, and this was at the end, whenever he had already had several times where Balak wanted him to curse God's people, but he could not. You can't curse what God's blessed. Don't say, I'm worried about some witch putting a spell on me. I come to tell you that, that no witch, no devil can cross the bloodline. There's a bloodline. You keep that bloodline up. You keep that shield up. That blood, that wall and ring of fire around you. That The Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now don't you be dibble-dabbling in something. You separate yourself from that. You cover yourself in the blood. But if you're involved in sinful activity or something that is contrary to God's Word, the blood, I can tell you, when you open up that gap in the blood, you've allowed the enemy in. Balak wanted Balaam to curse God's people. And in verse 1 of chapter 24, it says, When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, He hath said which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, how goodly, how beautiful, how pleasant, how awesome, how goodly are the tents of Jacob and the tabernacles of Israel. As the valleys are, they spread forth as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of line 
uh, aloes which the Lord hath planted and as the cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters and his king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. The Bible's very clear that he began to prophesy and he said there's something that I see about Jacob's tents and the tabernacles of Israel. The worship of God. The blessing around the people of God. He said I can't touch them. I can't touch them. Amen. I cannot touch them. Then we read in chapter 23 what was the reason behind their covering. I can tell you, Numbers 23 verse 21 says this, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. He said, God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob, of Israel, what hath God wrought? Behold, the people rise up as a great lion and lift himself as a young lion. He shall not lay down until he eat of the prey and drink of the blood of the slain. In other words, God will bring them through in victory. Then we read over in chapter 25. The first three verses. Something changed. Where there was worship. Where there was a testimony. Where there was an untouchable people. The Bible says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. What was at one time a God who protected them has now become their enemy. We must have fellowship with God. We cannot be separated from Him. It was Isaiah that said in chapter 59, and I've quoted this many times, My arm is not shortened, nor is my ear deaf that I cannot hear, or my arm shortened that I cannot reach out and touch you, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. All we got to do is pray things through, and there's an open heaven. There's a clear, plain, open heaven. We must have fellowship with God. Nothing shall separate us from His love and the rescue from sin. But you can't be saved from an ocean of sin and worldliness when you do not lay hold on the life preserver that God throws out to you. Because the first thing people will say is, well, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. I said, did you read? Did you listen to what you just said? Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. But I can tell you that prodigal was far away from his father's house. And it came to him. My dad loves me enough that I know that if I go there, 
I'll ask him to make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be a son. But he knew there was hope at that house where that father was. And he started making his way back. Nothing will separate you from God's love. He'll always receive you unto himself. If you come with a heart of repentance and a heart of humility and you surrender unto him. If you come, with, come in despair, God is a compassionate God. He's a loving God. And he, he, he said in his word, he'll in no wise cast you out or turn you away. But you and I can, you know, I've said this so many times and I read it again last night as I was reading A.W. Tozer. He said, God did not send His only begotten Son to die on the cross to deal with your sin for you to come and have a mental assent that I believe in God and I receive salvation but I'm still living the same way I was whenever I was in sin. He didn't save you for you to stay in that place and condition. He saves us out of a life of sin. So I ask you when you say I'm saved, what did He save you from? I'm not asking you to stand up here and give me a whole list, laundry list of all of the debauchery and, and, and sin and all of that that you've been involved in. What I'm telling you is that in you have to know that God has saved me from something in order for me to legitimately be saved. He didn't save me for me to live in sin as a sinner. He saved me out of that life of sin to be different. Yeah, if I make a mistake, that's what this altar is for. Let's get it right. There's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. But we're supposed to live a life that worships Him. And praises Him. I've quoted this for years. Worship Him in the beauty of holiness. That means every day you get up, you're praising Him, you're worshiping Him. You're showing that God has changed your life on your job, in your family, and everything else. Do they see a difference? I hope to shout they do. But if they don't, there needs to be something corrected in our lives. Amen? Satan works tirelessly to corrupt. To corrupt this which is pure in our lives and change that. When I first got saved, amen, I was on fire for God. There was nothing that would hold me back. I was at church before the doors were even opened. I was there when the first people got there. I was worshiping. I was praising. I came when they had a work day. I came whenever they had prayer meeting. I came. I was in the house of God. I loved God. I loved Him at home. I loved Him on the job. I loved Him everywhere I went. Everybody at Clinton Cadillac, when I worked there, when I was just 18 years old, when they saw me coming, they turned the other way because there wasn't nobody that I came in contact with that wasn't going to talk to them about God. But you know, time passes and you find yourself that fire growing a little cold going down. And that stirring in your heart. You don't feel that conviction or you don't feel that sound judgment that you once had. You're not where you were at one time. That's why you got to go back to Bethel. You have to. Paul the Apostle said, evil associations must be forsaken. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to near the end here, but stay here with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says this. He says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion 
hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? You say, well, I don't have friends that are infidels. No, but you watch them on TikTok. You watch them on Instagram. You watch people that are ungodly. And don't say that you don't because I can tell you, down deep inside, we've all crossed at that point in time, or crossed that line or went, went to that place we shouldn't have went. And it's infidels, it's ungodly people, it's unbelievers, it's people that are absolutely possessed of the devil and that comes right through that little window on your phone. So don't have any part with them. He says in the word of God, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. And the Lord, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You know, it always puzzled me that whenever the Philistines came and they took the Ark of the Covenant, they took the Ark of the Covenant, and the Bible says that whenever they took the Ark of the Covenant, that they took that Ark and they put it in their temple with Dagon, or Dagon, however you say it. They came in the next day and, oh, Dagon's on the floor. That That old statue is on the floor. So you know what they did? They picked him up and put him back up where he was. And they came the next day. Not only did they find him back on the floor face down, but his hands were broken off. His feet were broken. He was broken. So you would think most people would say, you know what? Let's get rid of Dagon. Clearly there's a more powerful God. But they didn't. They said, get that ark out of here. People know the power of God right there in front of them. And they go, you know what? I've had actually ha- seen people, they come and they say, you know, I just, I just feel so convicted in, in your church. I just, I, it's just, it's really high output. And I just, I don't want to go there because I just don't. I said, that's what you need. <laughs> You're rejecting the great power of God to change your life. I said, what's happening is the spirit of God is convicting that unclean spirit or ungodly spirit or whatever it is in you their flesh and I said God is trying to deliver you I said you need to come where the reality is in God but you're refusing that you're saying I'd rather have Dagon that doesn't have any power and is truly a false God an idol Let that sink in for just a second. Salvation is a miracle. From death to life, from darkness to light, from curse to blessing, from bondage to freedom. And when you receive Christ, you are overwhelmed by a sudden powerful feeling that only God matters. This soon works into your mental behavior, your life, your conduct, your judgments, your values. And if it doesn't, then you need an altar. Because there was a lot of things that I thought were okay before I got saved. And then when I got saved, God changed them. Amen. He'll change a lot of things in your life. A lot of things. Things that you thought were okay. 
now are not okay. Amen? And, and, and there's a host of things, whether it's homosexuality or abortion or whatever. You, amen? I'm going to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. There's things that are wrong, that are sinful, that you thought were okay until you come to Christ. I'm not necessarily saying you were involved in it. I'm saying that you didn't have a problem with it. But when you come to Christ, He changes that. He changes that. There's a lot of things that we think were okay. But God changes that. And He restores judgment, sound judgment, holiness and purity in our lives. And when you receive Christ, you realize there's this feeling that only He matters. And He changes everything about my conduct, behavior, judgments, values. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And all things are passed away and all things become new. You now worship God and the devil hates that and he hates you. And everything is working against the life of worship of the true God. The captives couldn't sing because they were spiritually dejected. And the problem must be removed. Jesus begins to deal with all things that keep us from truly worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Did He not go in and deal with the hypocrisy and the misrepresentation in the book of Matthew at the end of the book of Matthew? I believe it's the 21st chapter. Maybe it's the 23rd. I think it's the 21st. But He went in there and He began to cleanse the temple. And you know what the Bible says? After He cleansed the temple of all the misrepresentation, of all the charlatans, of all the money changers and all those that made the house of God a den of thieves amen and made it a place that it was not supposed to be he said as he began to remove all of that and said my house shall be called a house of prayer but then after that the Bible says that God began to heal people began to be healed if you'll just clean up the corruption God will heal everything that needs to be healed my God Yes. So there's things that will cause us to halt in worship and praise. Sin is one of them. Brokenness down deep in us is another one. But then there's hypocrisy. And those things that are of of selfish ambition and frauds and fakes. But healing will be restored when it's cleaned up. Another account is a lingering offense. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, he said... If you bring that all, that gift to the altar and you know somebody's got all against you, he said, just leave your gift there. Don't even go any further. I've had people come in, they said, I couldn't even praise the Lord. I was so mad at that person. I said, really? Are you all here with me? They said, I, 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 can't, I can't even praise the Lord. Well, you're going to let your feelings and that affect the way you worship God? I'm going to tell you something. I've had people say things to me minutes before I got up behind the platform to lead worship. I've had people say things to me. and it, just, it was meant to just be a gut wrencher. Amen. I've had people you know, say things to me and uh, just mean things. And God said, get up there and throw it off. Amen. Throw it off. You're here to worship God. Don't even let that bother you for one second. So before we can really truly worship Him and, and offer that gift of praise, offer that gift, whatever it may be, we got to leave it there and make it right, then come back 
So there's reasons why that harp is on the willow tree and we can't worship God. It may be sin. It may be an offense. It may be that God needs to clean up some corruption. It may be brokenness. Cain was hated. I'm sorry, halted rather. And told to correct something. And he refused and he murdered Abel. And lives continually, or he lived continually with a mark upon his life. Listen, I'm going to say this because the Holy Ghost told me I have to before we end this service. Cain rejected what God said and he refused to bring an offering and clean things up and let God accept his offering. He said, if you'll just do what's right, Cain, I'll accept your offering like I did Abel's. But he didn't do that. He went and he took vengeance upon a brother out of jealousy and out of envy and murdered him. Listen, God said, let me tell you something. There's going to be a mark against your life, upon your life. And the Spirit of God began to speak to me. He said he lived continually with a mark upon his life. It was a mark of rebellion and disobedience the rest of his life. I don't know that he ever made things right, but the Bible says it was a mark of rebellion and disobedience. And honestly, I've, I've observed it plague and stifle many a Christian. Listen, going church to church, ministry to ministry, I can tell you, you don't need a prophetic word from somebody. You just need to obey what God has already said. You don't need another church. You need to repent for what God already convicted you of. Amen. And, and let me tell you, God brought you here so that He can touch you and minister to you. Maybe you've been sitting in the church and you say, Pastor, you know, there's just things that just you, got, you need to let God deal with you. For years, I used my past hurts, my victimhood as a platform for my preaching and my ministry. And guess what? Nobody got free. Oh, I'm getting ready to say something here. God had to correct something in my life. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, as God is my witness, He has. Oh, He's corrected something that took a long time to correct. A lot of times there's a rebellion, and there is a spirit of rebellion, and a, 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 a spirit of disobedience, and we have it all covered and down there under all kinds of things and we just go along and, and just go through the motions and nobody knows any better but I can tell you God knows God knows and and he knows whenever we're fraudulent he knows whenever we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing he knows there's a spirit of rebellion he's trying to deal with it one of the things that happened in my life was that I lived my life even preaching off of a platform of victimhood and it wasn't until Lee Ship said to me you will never free anybody through your preaching and bring life to them on the platform of victimhood he goes, they're not going to get free because of the atrocities that you say happened in your life. They're going to get free because Jesus paid the price on Calvary. There's only one real victim here and he laid his life down and, you know, people say, I want you to see my scars. I said, the only one that really needs to show their scars is Christ. He's the only one that has scars that will heal. Are you hearing me? That's why he said, Thomas, put your hands in my, 
in my scar, in my nail-scarred hand. Put your finger in my side. He said, this is what's going to heal you. Not going around and talking about how terrible your life was and everything else. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something else, church. God spoke to me. And He said, you know what? He said, there's a lot of people that sit in church. And we look at our parents, okay? And we throw them under the bus. Come on now. We throw them under the bus. They were horrible parents or they were horrible this. They were horrible that. I can tell you, church, a lot of times we have a perception in our mind, a perspective in our mind. We have this viewpoint in our mind that doesn't come from a place of God covering sin or the blood, but it comes from a fleshly means. It comes from our flesh and ourself. And one day God said, you better stop that. Because let me tell you something, there are people that had far worse childhoods than you had. God spoke to me and he said, hey, from infancy to four years old, when's the first time you remember, Jonathan? I said, I don't know, I was probably four, maybe five years old that I recall my childhood. He goes, from one or from infancy to four or five years old, who took care of you? He said, who pampered you? Who fed you? Who bathed you? Who took you to the doctor? Your mama did. And guess what? Throughout your life, your mama made sure you went to school. Your mama made sure you went to the dentist. Your mama made sure you went to the doctor. Your mama made sure you did your homework. Your mama fed you every night. Your mama made sure you had lunch money. Your mama made sure that you were taken care of. And you have sat and you have pined and you have moped and you have said all kinds of things for years about how bad your childhood was. And he said, you've made it worse than it was. You've magnified. Come on now. There are people. Come on. You know I'm telling you the truth. People have made it worse than what it was. And he said, that's because a generation that has never had to go through anything and I had to go through things okay but we live in a generation that is so entitled we got a generation that is so thin skinned oh man I know I'm hitting a nerve because guess what it's forcing you to say you know what I am not going to sit here for the rest of my life And sit here and garner my satisfaction from all the hurts and the victimhood that I have. I'm not going to. That's what a lot of people want. They'd rather have that than have freedom. They'd rather have that than have victory. They'd rather sit around and pine away about all the terrible things that happened in their life. And let that be what they stand on. I was a victim. Who wasn't? Grab the Kleenex box. Wipe your nose. And move on. I'm telling you, God gave me an epiphany, a revelation. And he said, your stepdad, he may have been a hard man, but he taught you a work ethic. He taught you, and you lived in a beautiful home. Look, I'm preaching to you. You lived in a beautiful home. You and your brother had, you had a room that you shared. Your sisters had a room they shared. You lived in a good home. There may not have been the love and the nurturing you wanted, but he said, I've come to tell you today, it wasn't nearly as bad as you thought it was. Why am I saying that? Because in this generation, we've got thin-skinned kids. And young people, you got to grow up. 
you got to grow up. You can't fall apart because mama didn't cut your pancakes right. Did you hear me? I can't praise God because of all the things that happened to me. Oh, my goodness. I'm standing on top of that, and I'm saying the only reason I'm here is because Jesus. And it doesn't matter what happened to me. (laughs) I'm a Christian now. I'm serving God now. I'm serving God now. That's all that matters. You know, okay, all right, so we came through those things. All right, all right, it was there. It's real. It happened. But for crying out loud for 15 years, let's move on. Let's move on. Amen. Let's move on. God showed me. He said, you better love mom and dad. You better love your dad. You love your mother-in-law. You love them. Amen. There was no manual for how to be a good parent. There's no step-by-step of how to be a good parent. You're just learning as you're going. But sometimes, children, and I throw myself in the mix, we're so hard upon our parents and we don't have grace for people that a lot of times didn't know any better. They didn't have anybody to lead them. They, they maybe had deformed or warped, you know, uh, uh, things about them and their character. Only God can change that. And he has changed it, you know. But we look at that and I think a lot of times we're the least gracious and compassionate and forgiving to the people that have done the most for us. And he said, Jonathan, I've heard enough of that. Rich Adams was a great dad to you. Do you know the first year this year, I'm so sad and upset with myself that it took almost 50 years for me to wake up and realize it. But he said, that man loved you. He took your mom, married her with four kids, worked full time, made sure. I remember him sitting across the table from me saying, you are going to graduate from school, Jonathan. You understand? You're going to get your diploma if I have to sit there beside you. And he said, you forgot that. You forgot all the things that he taught you. You forgot all the things that he did. And for the first time this year, I called him on Father's Day because I always say he's not my dad. Oh, yeah, he was my dad. He was my dad. He said the problem was never them. It was always you. But it took that long for me to get through all the hardness of your heart and your mind. A lot of times, we miss out on years of valuable enjoyment of life, of relationships, and more than anything, our worship and praise unto God because of our selfish down deep flesh and things that this is the way I think and this I'm right and everybody else is wrong. No, you're not always right. And God wants you to know this today. I've come to absolutely show you, remove all of those things that have kept you from worshiping me alone. Just me. He's worth it. He's worthy. God said, people in the church need to finally say, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going on. I'm not going to look at my... There are young people in here. You need to go up to your parents and you need to wrap your arms around them and you need to hug them and love them even if they have done things that have hurt you or they've done things that upset you or whatever. 
Because let me tell you something, one day you're going to have kids if the Lord tarries. And whenever you move from little kids into adult children, everything changes. Amen. Everything changes. You start seeing things a whole lot differently. And so God said, honor your mother and your father. Why? Because, number one, they're worthy of honor. You just didn't see it. And number two, it's keeping you from worshiping me. Maybe it's somebody else or something else. Church today, God wants to minister to your heart. Don't leave this place and say it's noon. I got to get out of here. Don't leave without cashing the promissory note in the bank at the altar. Let God change your life and your heart. Let him bring healing. Bring that worship back where you've been broken. Bring that worship back where you've had aught. Bring that worship back where there's been sin. Bring that worship back. Clean it up. Make it right. Father, today I thank you for the word. I thank you for your spirit. I know that you're doing a work in here. And Lord, I had to say what you wanted me to say. I pray that each and every person here today will not leave this place with their harps hanging on the willow tree. But Lord, that they will leave this place today repentative with things cleaned up in their life and worship you powerfully, effectively in spirit and in truth. God, only you can draw by your spirit each and every person in this house. And I'm seeking you to do that this morning in Jesus' name.